The following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Would you stand with me? I want to make a prayer. Would you pray with me? Yes? All right. That's it. You know what it says, with two or more gathered. I think there's more than two today. Wow. Praise God. He's in our midst. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we can come this morning. We can come into this building expecting, believing that you're going to move in our midst. Lord, that you're going to touch our hearts so that when we leave this place, we're not the same that we're changed, we're different. We have a new perspective on things. Lord, I just pray you move in our midst this morning. We pray for those that aren't here and should be here, but for unknown reasons, reasons we don't know and some reasons we do know because of physical ailments, because of sickness. Lord, be with them, be with them. Touch them with your healing hand. And for those that are here for other reasons, Lord, intervene in their lives make thyself real to them be with our pastor and his wife lord and let them have a good time up there in colorado lord and i pray that when they return you grant them travel mercies and that they will arrive back to us safely lord again touch us because we believe and we do believe So bless us, I pray. Bless the time of communion. Help us to prepare our hearts and examine ourselves so that when we have communion, it'll be a blessed time because we're doing it in remembrance of you. We're here because of you. So bless us, I pray. And answer the prayers in the hearts of every individual that's here that needs an answer, a change, deliverance make it so let it happen because we're asking in that beautiful name the name of Jesus and everyone said amen Amen. you may be seated praise God if you can would you open your Bibles to the 8th chapter of the gospel of Luke very unique book. I'd like to share with you the the lamp, the light, and the stand. There we go. That's it. I like that. He's got a lamp in his hand. I like that. With a light. Would you turn to that eighth chapter, the sixteenth verse? And um, read along with me if you don't mind. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, 
but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Bless thy word, Lord. May that seed fall in to our hearts. But before we envelop the verses before us, there's an understanding that these verses are a continuation of the parable of the sower. With this in mind, let's take a brief overview of this parable before examining the epilogue that is presented in these verses. First, there's something interesting about the uniqueness of the Gospel of Luke. In his two-volume commentary on the Gospel of Luke, John Nolan stated, the Gospel of Luke is a major repository of the parables of Jesus. Very interesting. He, he wrote two-volume commentary, and he has a whole section just on parables. I found it fascinating. And he dealt with it from the time of Jesus and then he starts dealing with this parables or the parables itself in general. He starts at the postmodern era and he indulges in it in the sense of bringing forth such information that it amazed me. But he's a good writer and if you could ever get to look at the, his two commentaries, it'd be good. Second, there's something interesting in Matthew 13, 13 that gives a clearer picture of Luke's presentation of this parable of the sower. And if you'd like to turn there, that'd be all right. It says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. The thing that's interesting is Luke doesn't present this part, and so we're, we don't see the picture of where Jesus was standing or sitting. He was in a boat, Matthew tells us. And it's, he got out a little bit so that they could hear him. All can hear him. He didn't stand in the mist where only the few can hear him. He wanted them to all hear him. And I thought that was very interesting. Third, two words I like to touch upon in this parable. The seed and the soil. That's mentioned in the first two parts of this parable in Luke 
8.11, Jesus explains to his disciples, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. So we got a little understanding there, and he says it, that the seed is the word of God. And then in Luke 8, 15, Jesus goes on to explain to his disciples, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, listening to the seed, if you please, my adding, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So we see the soil is the human heart and the seed is the word of God. Just hold on to that. Then fourth, there's a common thread throughout this parable of the sower from the parable itself to the explanation of the parable to the disciples to the conclusion of the parable. It's the Greek word translated hear, heard, hearing, and listening. It can be translated into those words. I had three verses down. I'm just going to just go to one. It's in Revelations 2.7. And Jesus is speaking to the seven churches. And that's in the book of Revelation, the second chapter, the seventh verse. He says, He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant him to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Seven times he says this to the church. He's saying to us today, let's listen. Let's listen. Let's listen to the Spirit. That's the Spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit. In my day, we call it the Holy Ghost. That's from the old translation, King James. So, let me bring my first point out to you. The lamp, the light, and the stand. Three things, three things that we need to see. First, the lamp. We see the lamp. In Psalm 119, 105, the psalmist says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Before he can really get to understand that and believe that, in verse 11 of that same psalm, he says, Thy word have I hid in my heart so I won't sin against thee. And if you please, we can say, the seed that he gives us, if we hide it in our heart and put it in the good soil of our heart, it will spring forth with life and it will help us not to sin. What is sin? 
missing the mark, not being in step. We have such a view of the word sin, we look for the boogeyman a lot of times. And it's real simple. It's missing the mark, being out of step with God. The lamp. Then we have the light that the lamp produces. In John 8.12 it says, And again Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whosoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then David speaking in 2 Samuel twenty two twenty nine, For you are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my darkness. We see that the lamp here is a figure of Christ. He's our lamp and he's our light. He's also our word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. He's the living word. In Proverbs twenty twenty seven, it says, The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his innermost parts. We see now a transferring here that Christ sends us out as lamps in the world of darkness to shine forth the light. Do we? Do you? Do I? Not pointing a finger at nobody. But we are a lamp that's to shine forth the light. That's the whole idea. If you get anything, if you get nothing, it's this. God wants us to be a lamp for him and a light. If you would, turn to Matthew. Well, you don't have to if you don't want to, but Matthew 25, 27. You've heard of the story about the ten virgins. Raise your hand if you have. All right, so then you know the story. And this particular verse talks about the ten virgins virgins and how they were how can I say they woke up they heard the cry it says they trim their lamps in other words they trimmed the wick the wick was crusty and from burning because it was burning all night And if you don't get that crust off, it will finally extinguish itself. It will go out. We have to, how can I say, clean ourselves up sometimes. We've got to come before God and ask Him to clean us. We have to allow the seed of God's Word to burn in our heart. They say the Word of God is a lamp in our soul that searches the dark spots, the hidden caverns 
the caves we may hide things in. Sometimes it finds stuff that we don't even realize we have. But we have to come before God and get it clean and allow the Word of God to cleanse us, for it's the water that cleanses us. The water of His Word, says the writer. They cleaned the wicks. I had something here that I wanted to sort of demonstrate. I was going to wait, but I'll get it going, so to speak. I'm not going to light it up. This is what they walked around with. Some were bigger, but this was the general one. Small little piece. Just fits in the palm of your hand. And they would light it up. And as they walked in the dark, say they walk into their neighbors at night. They didn't have lighting like we have today. They didn't have electric light bulbs. They didn't have flashlights. This was their flashlight. And they would light it. And they would walk. Some hold it back here because it would get hot. So you hold it like this. And they would have it. And the scripture says to place it on a stand like that. It would be a little bit higher. Most of the stands were made out of metal. I think from what I read, they did not say they made it out of clay. Everywhere I read was that it was on made out of metal, a stand. The stand is a picture for us. The Lord asks for someone to be that stand. To be the stand that lifts up the living word. We are the stand that holds the light of Christ in a darkened world. So how do we hold up the light that Jesus Christ gives us in this darkened world? Tommy Hunt says it this way. He says, share the gospel at all times. And when necessary, use words. Here's my two cents worth. Talk is cheap. It's action that speaks. It's your walk and your testimony. But if your walk is not in line with your testimony, you're out of sync You're missing the mark. And if your testimony is not in line with your walkamony or your walkamony not with that, that's what it is. As it's been said, it is what it is. And once we understand what it is, let's deal with it. That's what the seed is all about. That's what the Word of God is all about. To give us direction. It's a compass to make sure we're going in the right direction. It's a ruler to make sure we're going straight. It's a plumb line to make sure we're even. The word, the seed, the light. Are we shining our light? That's what it's all about, shining our light. But there's something that's not mentioned here in this verse or this parable. It's the oil. I remember a song when I first got saved decades ago. Give me oil in my lamp. 
Keep me burning, burning, burning. Give me all in my lamp, I pray. There you go. That's the way it went. <laughs> Marty knows. You see, he's up there. He's not telling me his age. <laughs> but they sung it. It was a good song. I liked it. And as I sung it and got into God's word and allow his seed to get into the soil of my heart, turning that rock heart of mine into a fleshy heart, the seed started to take root and started to take shape, come to fruitation. But it only happened when the oil was applied. You need the oil. The oil is a picture of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit whom we need. When we get into the Word, that's who makes the Word real, the Holy Spirit. He's the one that makes Christ a reality. For Christ is at the right-hand side of the Father. He makes intercession for you and I. He's our high priest. He's the shepherd of our soul. He's the door that we go through to come before the throne of grace to make our requests made known. But this all comes a reality when the Holy Ghost comes on the scene and makes it real to you. Because when he makes it real to you, then you start walking straight. You start walking in the right direction. Your balance becomes right with God. You need the Holy Ghost. You need that Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, the third person of the Godhead. He's the one that makes Christ real. Amazing. I don't know about you, but I've gotten to like eating seeds, the seed of God's Word. How many like those little seeds, um, sunflower seeds? You know, you, you eat one and all of a sudden you need another one and then you need another one. And then they become tasty. And they're very beneficial. they got iron in it and they got a few other substances in it that's very good for you. That's how the Word of God needs to be. We need to be walking around with a bag of God's seed, you know, and feed on it. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Here's my take on it. So I can walk right with you, God. So I can walk circumspectly and start redeeming the time. For I see the days are evil. When we look about us, the world is dark. It's not bright like the sun is outside now but it's dark spiritually, morally. And there's only one hope for the world, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and His lamps, which is you and I. I love Brother Matt, as he brought out last week, he says, when we leave this place, there's a sign there that says, you are now entering the mission field. That's what this parable is all about, preparing us to be missionaries. Not to go overseas. Yes, we need those to go overseas. To other countries. Yes, we need them. But we need it right now in our land. And you are the chosen missionaries. 
God has chosen you. That's why you're here today. You're not here by chance. You're here by God's ordained will, his desire, his purpose, his plan. He's working it out. And it's worked out with the Holy Ghost. It's worked out with the Holy Spirit. But there are things that hinder us. There's things that stop us. And Christ warns about us. He talks about the hidden and the secret things. I'm going to talk about the hidden things first, even though secret comes first. But I want to talk about the hidden things. As I shared this morning, everybody's got skeletons in their closet. You ever hear that expression? My mother used to say, you've got skeletons in your closet. You're going to bring them out sooner or later, and I'll see them. All things come out in the whitewash. That's what she would tell me. It is here we come to see the real purpose of the lighted lamp. It's to reveal. We're the light to reveal to the world the darkness that it's in. To reveal to those that are lost and groping out there and not knowing where to go. They're looking. They're seeing. You think nobody's watching you, but they are. Well, those are the ones that go to faith fellowship. Let me watch them. Let me see how they're going to act. Hmm. There's always someone watching you. You know who watches you the most? Your kids. (laughs) You know how they throw things in your face later on? (laughs) Because they want to get away with the same thing? Hmm. There's hidden things, yes. And the purpose of the lamp is to expose those hidden things in our life. Those things we think, God doesn't know. He does know. I tell you, there's so many times I start reading God's word and all of a sudden the light goes on, the flashlight goes on in my soul. And God says, see, you thought you hid it on me. huh?" He doesn't talk to me like that, but I'm doing it to just demonstrate to you. He reveals it. What do we do? Oh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank God. He is. Thank God for the anointing that fell on John the Apostle. Thank God for the Holy Ghost pricking his heart, stimulating his mind what to write. Under his direction, he wrote those verses. They're for you and I today. So we don't have to run from God. We should be running to God. With the light on. Don't run in the dark. You'll trip and fall. You'll hurt yourself. Spiritually, that is. Get into the light of God's word. When the word of God enters into our soul, I've already said this, it becomes the flashlight of our soul. 1 Corinthians 4, 5, it says, Therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes. Who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart? 
And each one will receive his commendation from God. Now he's talking to saints. But if we take that and flip it over, so to speak, the world has nothing. They can't they 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 think they're hiding it by legalism. Let's we can do this. We say it's it's okay because the law says okay. But morally it's not. Spiritually it's not. Then in Luke two, twelve, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. There's nothing we can hide. I learned a long time ago, be up front with God. He'll be up front with you. I learned not. I tried hiding things from him. I thought he didn't know. He wouldn't know. I you know, oh. He, I made I, I made sure he didn't know. I made sure he didn't see, but he did know. And he did see. For he's the God of this world. He's the God of the universe. He's the God of our soul. He's our creator. He's our maker. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Matthew 10, 26. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. So we got we get the idea, right? You can't hide nothing. You might as well get it to God in prayer. Be up front with him. If you trip, get back up. Solomon says a good man falls six, but he gets back up seven. You fall, get back up. God still loves you. And if we put first John one nine into practice the seed, and allow it to take fruitation, you'll see how sin will have less and less. You'll see that we will stop missing the mark as much as we did in the past. It becomes less and less and less because we run to our Father through His Son under the guiding and power of the Holy Spirit. I've heard it said over and over again, the hidden things will be revealed sooner or later. Why not get rid of them now? Before we have communion, examine yourself, search your heart. I don't care if it's because you suck your thumb and God told you not to, then stop sucking your thumb. (laughs) Forgive me for my brassness. We come to the secret. You're going to see that the secret and hidden things, when we look at this verse of Scripture, they're of the same coin, but they're different sides. One's head, one's tail. But they wind up with the same outcome. Who can discern his errors, declare Who can declare the innocent from hidden faults? That's in Psalm nineteen twelve. Then Romans two sixteen says, On that day when according to my gospel God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. 
We that are in Christ, we come before the judgment seat, the Bema seat. And when we do, what secrets you think you have, <laughs> they're going to be revealed, they'll be seen. Interesting. It's been said, with eyes wide shut, we entertain the possibilities of secret. I've heard that so many times. And then they came out with a movie, Eyes Wide Shut. I wonder if they knew what they were talking about. I wanted to share something. Yeah. How many here remember the town called AI? And the the man called Achan and Joshua? Hmm. He had a secret. He thought it was hidden. And for you that don't remember, I'll bring you up to snuff, so to speak. Here's Achan. They went and took care of Jericho. You know the story of Jericho. Around the walls they walked. Well, he took some things that he shouldn't have taken, put them in his tent, buried them, and kept it secret. But what you think is secret is not secret. And then when Joshua was going to send men to Ai, he did, and they went, and they were they were decimated. They only went with a few thousand. They went there so boldly thinking they could take over and do their thing. And but because of one man, because he had a secret and he thought it was hidden. And Joshua, God revealed it to him and he says, First find a tribe and he went down, find the family, find the members. And it finally went down and he came to Achan. And he says, give God the glory and the honor and tell him your secret. I, he didn't say it that word. I'm just ad-libbing here, so I don't want you to come back to me later. <laughs> but that's how I seen it. Come forth with your hidden faults. Make God proud of you, so to speak. <laughs> But secrets, they don't stay hidden for long. They come to the surface. Like a splinter when it gets into your finger. If you don't take care of it, it festers. becomes infected. That's what happens. Let the light of God's word allow you to see. You ever get a splinter? Sometimes you need a light on it to see it because it's so small. Let the light come in. No matter how small you think it is, God will take care of it. You let his light on it, and you get it before him. Now, this, the listener and the whosoever in verse 18 of this chapter, or this verses that we're looking at, the listener is to take care how you hear. 
That's what he's saying. We need to take care how we hear. The listener is to me, you and anyone that hears. If you have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit has to say. We all got ears. Let us hear. For all that hear are responsible for what they do with what they hear. You know, when you remember those times in school, you took the test, you seen the answer, but I didn't know that. Well, you weren't listening in class, the teacher would tell you, right? (laughs) Because this word that we hear in the Greek, hear, is hear, heard, hearing, and it could also be translated listen. We got to listen. We really got to listen. We don't come to God with our parents. In that day when we all come before God, your parents aren't going to be with you. You're going to be by yourself. You know why? Because God has no grandchildren. We're all his children, but no grandchildren. And so it's going to be us that come before him. I'd rather deal with it now than later. I'd rather take care of it now before it festers. I'd rather listen now than have to hear it later. The whosoever, if you look in that verse, there are the whosoever's that have the word of God and live by it. Then there are the whosoever's that think they have something, but that but does not but that excuse me, but that person actually has something or not. This whosoever loses whatever they thought was something, but in the long run was nothing. We need to examine ourselves and realize that. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We have to hear. That's the whole idea. That's the key word that runs through this Proverbs. From the sower to this. For these three verses are the conclusion of the sower. It takes it all and puts it all. In three verses. And we got he tells us we gotta hear, we gotta be a light. We need to be a lamp. We need the Holy Spirit to be filled with us. Not to be like the ten virgins who ran out of oil and went asked the ones that had, and they said, No, we're not giving you any. Those were the smart ones. And they couldn't go buy oil because there was no oil to be had. I just want to conclude with some closing thoughts, if you please. I don't know what you get out of this. I pray you got something out of this. But as I was thinking, I got a few things out of it. I believe that Christ was trying to tell us, let us be watchmen over our hearts. 
In Psalm 136, it says, My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. He says it twice. I think he's trying to get our attention. When you start your day, start it off with God. Put him first. Allow him to help you to trim your wick so that your light would be bright because it burned all night. Now let's trim it so we can have a bright light for the rest of the day. And then I thought, let us stand in the gap for one another. In Ezekiel 22.30, he says, I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land. That word breach can also be translated gap. That's what the King James Version puts there. But I stayed with the ESV. Stand in the gap for one another. You see a brother's weak. You see he's having problems. Stand in the gaps. I know many a time things took place in my life, not because I prayed, but because someone else prayed in my behalf without me knowing. I like what Marty said this Thanksgiving. Do something. Don't let them know you're doing it for them. That's one of the things we can do. And don't let people know what you're doing for them. Just pray for them. There's a lot of things happening. We have people that are getting sick. We got people that are going through hard times. Pray for them. Stand in the gap for them because they're not able to pray. Sometimes they can't pray correctly because they're caught up in the turmoil, the whirlwind, the storm. They can't see clearly. Stand in the gap. And then I think of Timothy. Let us stir up the gift that is within us. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance in Second Timothy one six, Paul tells Timothy, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee. Stir it up. Yes, it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to get the crust off our eyes. It's our responsibility to get the wax out of our ears so we can hear and so that we can see. It's our responsibility to stop the gift within us. We need to do so more so today than ever before. The things that are happening today in our world never was heard of. And I'm going back to the 60s, and that was wild times, even the 50s. I was around then. I'm an old one. And we got to stir it up, stir up that gift. A lot of times, you know, you got a glass of water. Do you remember Tang? You used to put it in your water. I remember when that first came out, I used to love that stuff. And if you let it set there a while, all that stuff would come to the bottom. You had to put a spoon in and stir it up. So that you can taste that deliciousness. That taste that Tang gave you. You know what I'm talking about. You got to stir it up. It's like when you're baking a cake 
and you got all the ingredients in a bowl. It doesn't become a cake until you stir it up. And then you got to bake it. That's the hot pot. All right. And in that Bible, it talks about 2 Peter 1, 3. Peter's talking to a bunch of believers. And he says, I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of remembering. Or better yet, reminder. That's what we do. That's what the pastor does. He stirs us up and he makes us be reminded of the word. We have to. We're like goats at times, more than sheep. And we become stubborn. And sometimes we act like we're blind. Did you know that sheep are legally blind? Yeah. And you know that they fall over very easy? Yeah, that's us. That's us. We're like goats, too. I told my son one day, we went to a restaurant. They had a goat in the front. And I told my son, watch out, don't get too close to him. He said, oh, man, he looks so cute. He's so nice. And that goat rammed him right in his stomach, and he went back three feet. I says, did you learn something? Yeah, not to go by the goat. (laughs) Well, if you would have just listened to me the first place. Aren't we like that? God warns us. He tells us. But we become like goats. Hmm. Now to stay in tune with that. My favorite is this. Let us stoke the coals. Yes, let's stoke the coals. I lived on Sterling Place in Brooklyn, New York. And back then in the 50s, they didn't have, they were just coming out with oil burners. And but the building I lived in, coal, that's basically what was used back then. My brother Charlie would wake me up 3.30, 4 in the morning. I guess maybe that's where I learned to get up so early in the morning. And I would get up with him, and he'd take me down to the basement. And the fir- my very first time, he demonstrated and showed me and told me what I got to do and why I got to do it. He says, look in there. I says, yeah, it is very, it's not lit too well. It, it looks a little glowy, but not. He's got a bunch of gray stuff on there. He says, right, that's ash from the coals burning all night. He says, now we got to stoke the coals. And he had this big, long wire. It was really steel, and it was real long. It was about maybe eight, nine feet long. And you push it in there. It was like a hole at the end, you know, a hole for the ground. And he would, he says, stoke the coals, stoke the coals, stoke the coals. And the coals, all of a sudden, the ash would fall to the bottom, and the coals would get bright, and it would get hotter. You could feel the heat start to come out. And then we'd throw more coal on, and that would catch, and they would start to glow. we got to stoke the coals in our life. Jeremiah, I'm reading from the King James Version. It says, 
Then I said, I will not make mention of him. You know, we get like that at times. We don't want to talk about God because we want to do our own thing. The flesh talking, if you please. I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more of his name. But his word was in my heart. As a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. Stoke the coals. It was burning. Does God's word burn in your bones? I don't know about you. I hear the word a lot of times, and tears start flowing down because I understand the meaning. I start feeding on the seed of God's word, and it stirs up in my heart. It gets into my flesh, and it starts to put it down. So the Spirit of God can move in my life. we got to stoke the coals. If you're kind of complacent lately, stoke the coals. Get into the Word. I don't feel like reading the Word right now. Stoke the coals. Start remembering what you put to... You ever take the Word and make memory of it? I used to go around with index cards. I still do. Verses I want to remember. Even verses I think I forgot and I can't remember no more. I'll put them on there so I can re-remember them. A lot of times I'm doing something and the Word just pops out because I, His Word have I hidden my heart. The very center of what I am and to be. The Word is something that you need to grab hold of and put in. And here's another one. Let us pray on a continual basis. Luke 18, 1 says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray, not to lose heart. Jesus is saying this. Always to pray. My take on it is, Always be ready to pray. Something happens, start praying. You don't have to get into a big ritual. You don't have to start going, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Not making fun of God's word. Not making fun of that practice that Christ says we should use as a pattern. But to be ready to pray. Two things I learned. One, when something happens, Jesus And the second word that went along with it, mercy. If you don't know what to pray, pray, mercy, oh God. Mercy. I come by faith. I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe your word. I believe that when I ask in your name, mercy. You don't have to go into a big, long dissertation. You don't have to have a three-point sermon with God. Just open your heart. And speak the words. Let the word speak for you. Do you ever let the word speak for you when you pray? You ever get them? I let the word pray for me. 
A lot of times I speak more of the word in my prayer than I do with my own words because I'd rather use his word for his word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing asunder both soul and spirit. And guess what? It's a discerner of the intent of the heart. That's what it's all about. That's where it's at. Allow that word to come into you. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Philippians 4, 4-6, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Here we go. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Hold nothing back for him. Even if you think God is not going to do anything, pray for it. You'll be surprised what he's going to do. In Hebrews, my next thought is this, and it's my last one. Let us draw nearer to God every day. Hebrews 10.22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The pure water of God's word, says the writer of Ephesians. And that's Paul, if you don't know. So anything or anything you get out of this parable, it's the word. He took a whole long dissertation to talk about it. The word, the word, the word. But it's the condition of your heart. It's the frame of your mind. It's where does your desire lay or lie? I want to be a lamp. How many here want to be a lamp for God? Have you trimmed your wick lately? You got to trim your wick. Have you looked inside the lamp? Look inside. Do you have oil? Is the Holy Ghost there? Is he in your life? We need the light. I believe we got the light. That's why you're here. That's why we got communion, because we're going to do it, to do it in remembrance of him and all that he said. See, when he said, do this in remembrance of me, it wasn't just about the day of the Last Supper, even though that's the starting point, the jump point. But we need something to prime the pump. You ever go to those old sinks with a long handle and you had to pump it, but first you had to put water in it to prime it? Hmm. You got to prime the pump. I remember them. (laughs) I also remember when I get Harley cars. I had Royals Ken Harley. Could Harley get up one hill and get down the other? And they became my prayer cars. And I remember running out of gas many times. And you had to prime the carburetor. You, you remember carburetors, right? They don't have them no more. 
and you had to prime it. You had to put a little gas in. Sometimes you use ether. They sold it in cans. And especially when it's the dead of winter and it's five degrees outside, you want to get that car started fast. So you tried anything to get that car going. You got to prime the pump. That's why we come to church every Sunday. That's why we try to get out on the midweek on Wednesday to prime that pump, to get the heart going, to get the mind going, to get the soul going, to get the spirit going. You got to prime the pump. Now when you leave here, just don't leave here. Talk about it. Keep priming the pump. Keep getting as much as you can. Get all you can. I don't know. How many are coming here tonight? I'm going to be here tonight. I want to see what the story is. I like stories, don't you? Especially when they're about Jesus. So come. Would you stand with me, please? I'm sorry I talked your ears off, but I hope you were listening. I'm sorry, Marty, I didn't call you out. That's what happens when you get young, you know? At least I got an excuse, right? <laughs> I use it a lot of times. But God is good. By the way, let's pray. Father, see, I forgot again. That's what happens. I walk from there to there and you forget. Father, I thank you. I pray that we heard from you today. I pray that the seed has been planted. I pray that it takes root in our heart and it emanates through our soul and our spirit to the point of touching our body that we react, that we react accordingly to your word, that you would be seen and not us, that we would prepare our hearts now to examine our hearts this very moment in time before we take communion, so that we would be right before you. Because we want to do this all in remembrance of you and all that you've done. Bless everyone here. I thank you for their patience. I thank you, Lord, for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.